Hello and welcome to Stinker Madness. This is another moving, not movies episode. Uh, with me is always Sam. Uh, my name is Justin. I should probably preface that because I forget who I am sometimes. Just want to be clear so that you should run for vice president <sighs> with Ross Perot. Oh, shit. Huh? <laughs> or there's a joke. Eight people got <laughs> who am I? How did I get here? Uh, that was somebody else. Uh, Major Nelson. I can't remember. General something or other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how's things going, Sam? How's, uh, how's, uh, the West? The weather's been shitty. Mm -hmm. Um, it has still really not cracked 70 yet. Wow. That's, uh, supposed to be 90 here on, on Wednesday, which is going to be interesting. Uh, what are you drinking? Well, as it's Cinco de Mayo, I have a chilada and a michelada. That's right. It's, uh. Cinco of the May. I'm having uh, totally not that. I'm having Baya Saigon. You ever seen this before? Yes, I have. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, the fun thing about it is that the bottle is very heavy. So, like, like really thick glass. So, you drink it and... You, you don't know how much you're drinking, and then all of a sudden it's empty, and you're like, but wait, it still feels like there's more in there because the bottle's heavy. And then you look in, and you're like, no, I drank the whole damn thing. So it's like they made a heavy bottle and put less beer in. <laughs> so you can bonk people with it. <laughs> yeah, getting some of those Saigon bar fights, I think. Uh, we got some listener feedback this week, uh, starting with follow-ups to our... Uh, Episode last week of uh, Massive Talent, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Uh, we asked everybody if they could tell us where the axe came from. Uh, Sam, did you uh I saw that go they, back? they said the axe was from Mandy. Okay, and I haven't right. seen Mandy yet. All I right. really... But we've probably, in a previous episode, discussed my struggle with Costas uh, Cosmato... Cos George B. George P. Cosmopolitan, the guy that directed Rambo to his son, Costas mm -hmm. or Cosmos or something like that, uh -huh. because he's the guy that did Beyond Black Rainbow, which is a movie that forgot what it was doing and lost its attention span mm -hmm. to the point that I was like, I got to figure out what's going on with this. So I watched an interview with him, and in the interview, he forgot what he was doing and lost his attention span. Nice. <laughs> I was but, like, oh, okay. But so does. Um uh, Werner Herzog, and you love him, so. But at least he finds things that are interesting to him. <laughs> and they got to be interesting to you, too. <laughs> him losing track of what he was supposed to do and finding some of the most interesting things you could find mm -hmm. is still good for me. All right. I'm still good with that. Let, well, maybe and remember, in Little Dieter Needs to Fly... He never lost focus one bit because it was that goddamn interesting. He didn't lose focus in Grizzly Man either. It was that damn interesting. It's true. T turns out he doesn't like volcanoes all that much. Well, maybe uh, it's time we give Panos Cosmatos another try. There we go. And uh, check out Mandy. It's currently not streaming anywhere. It's only 99 cents to rent, though, so that's not bad. But, uh, yeah, thanks, uh, Patrick Z, for pointing that out as well as uh uh, professional rage a new follower on uh, twitter at x underscore dixonson dickens dickinson dickinson yeah do you think it's bruce dickinson no because it starts with an x it's got to be like zorro d 
Dickinson. What if it's the unofficial Bruce Dickinson Twitter? Uh, th- I would hope that it would Bruce would be above using X's. <laughs> like maybe, maybe a Q is a- unless when it comes to hiding money. Yeah. All right. Uh, we also heard from uh, Clausy Santanta Grenell. Our friend from across the pond in Ireland, he says, Hi, Justin, Sam, and Jackie, M-I-A. Just sending a quick email, enjoying the discussions between yourself, Justin, and Sam. I have a few comments, questions, anecdotes related to the last few episodes. Batman from a previous episode. For what it's worth, I have to say Michael Keaton is the best Batman. That could be nostalgia playing tricks on me, but that was one of my favorite films for years, and I can't stand Christian Bale. I break out laughing every time I hear him do his constipated Batman. If they wanted a gravelly voice, why didn't they get an actor with one? Will Arnett nails it. Instead, they pick a man who sounds like he's pushing out a Laszlo pop on the Jack's Bowl. Mm. <laughs> I'm assuming the Jack's Bowl is the toilet. The pram, as it were. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, Christian Bale, not popular. <laughs> oh, I mean, are, did we decide that Christian Bale was our least favorite Batman? Val Kilmer? Or well, Clooney. Clooney's really bad. <sighs> Clooney wasn't as bad as what was happening to him and yeah, around him. Right, right. I just, yeah. Uh what about that guy? You know, the guy that nobody ever talks about. Everybody talks about Mark Hamill, you know, from Batman, the animated series, his Joker. But the guy that did Batman was really pretty good. Yeah. Isn't he also? He was. Didn't he do the Batman Arkham Asylum? I think so. Yeah. And uh, all of the voice talent in the Batman mm-hmm. animated series is fantastic. Isn't that the same guy? I don't know. The okay. Joker's different. Hmm. Not Hamill. The, no, the the Batman was the most wild break from anything that Batman had done in animation or anything. It is wild stuff. I really like it a lot. Uh, the voice there was Rhino. Rhino. Uh, Rhino Romano. And the Joker was Kevin Michael Richardson. Okay, interesting. Kevin Michael Richardson's very good. Yeah. The Joker, and the, it's the most left field, not the Joker, but awesome Joker. Like, it is not the Joker by what you're used to, but it's really good stuff. Uh, Mitch Pelegi was in that, too. He was Commissioner Gordon. Clancy Brown was Mr. Freeze. Ron Perlman was Killer Croc. <laughs> it's got everybody in it. Gina Gershon was cat was Catwoman. Adam West was Mayor Grange. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah. Ming Nguyen uh, from uh, it's that damn Marvel show that got cut. Uh, Agents of Shield. Uh, she was Detective Ellen Yen. She's going to be at uh, Comic Con in Chicago that I think Jackie and I are going to go to. Uh, have I told you about that at all? You have not. And that's okay. going to be a big one. I think that's one of the. Almost San Diego-sized ones. Yeah, let's. Uh, I'll just uh, go ahead and uh, do the annoying click thing that happens uh, with this mouse and uh, do some more clicking. But let's see here who we got. Uh, nope, this is the wrong one. Dang it. There's two Comic-Cons. The, the Fan Expo is the one now. Uh, they took over, basically, as the exciting thing. Uh who we got? Who we got? Who we got? Uh, Elijah Wood, Sean Astin, Billy Boyd, and Dominic Monaghan. 
All four hobbitses are going to be there. Boom. No? Don't care? Comics? All four hobbits. Who cares? Yeah, I know. Just call it Dorkcon. Just call that's it what it is. Yeah. Nerdicon 5,000. <laughs> uh, Carl Weathers, Ron Perlman. Like those guys. Uh, sure. Uh, Comics? Every Everybody from Clerks. Every single person from Clerks. There's at least comic tie-in there. Yeah. Uh, Brent Spiner, LeVar Burton, Jonathan Franks, John Delancey, Gates McFadden. Pretty much everybody from TNG, except for, you know, who he's busy still making lots of money. Feldman. Feldman's going to be there. Corey Feldman? Corey Feldman. Why? Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm okay. So last time that I went to a Comic-Con or one of these fan expos, Brent Spiner was there. And uh, so was uh, Marina Sirtis. And uh, I got in there. There was no line. Got to talk to Brent Spiner for a long time. I talked about it on the podcast. I'm assuming lines are going to be a little bit more intense in Chicago. Uh, do I want to stand in line to meet Corey Feldman? I don't really care about any of the celebrity guests. If I was going to go to one of those things, I'd just wear really dark sunglasses so that no one could see that I was just staring at the cosplay titties and butts the whole time. Well, you could do that and meet Corey Feldman, because that's what Corey Feldman's probably going to be doing, too. That would be whatever amount of time meeting Corey Feldman that I would be doing not looking at titties and butts. Okay. All right. So you think I should stand in line and meet Corey Feldman? Shake his hand. Sure. Okay. All right. I'll see. I'll see. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. I'd rather talk to Ron Perlman. You should compliment him on his handling of the third Lost Boys, which was a lot of fun, (laughs) and be like, Sam said he knows that you guys did the second one so that you could get to do the third Mm -hmm. one. Good job with the third one. Right. Okay. Back to Santana. Uh, Santanta. Uh, he says, I'm not judging American schools as I have no direct experience of it. We grew up thinking all exams were multiple choice over there. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, which that's pretty much what they were when Sam and I were growing up. Uh, you can thank Saved by the Bell and the French Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for that. But one girl from our area moved to the States. I would have assumed it was a strong Irish area like Boston, Philadelphia, San Francisco, etc. But for some reason, I think it was in South California, Southern California somewhere. She was one whole entire year in school doing sweet fuck all, no work and no homework. When the teacher finally asked her, could she speak English? WTF. She was about 14 or 15, wherever that would have been over there, middle school or high school. That's about, yeah, I mean, it's if depends on if it's 14 or 15. I'm not sure because it doesn't help us out when they get actors in their 20s to play the parts of schools go, school going kids. <laughs> yes. 30s. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty messed up. Can you speak English? Uh, not, yeah, I was he- I've been here for a whole year. Uh, my name's Jill. <laughs> Asshole. And even if I could... Do you think you should have sat here for an entire or couldn't do you think, you know, maybe that would have came up like a year ago? And then he's like, you didn't answer the question. <laughs> no, no, I cannot. I'm quite terrible at <laughs> the mother's the mother's English. <laughs> OK, uh, you hit it and hinted at it in the last episode. But what are the best films in the last 10 years? 
Uh, this got me thinking when Sam was talking about Justice League and the long conversation within DC films. I'm not standing up for DC. They are woeful films, but Marvel does the exact same thing. A soap opera followed by action sequences that don't actually resolve anything or go anywhere. Running the risk of being excommunicated from the Sneaker Madness fan club by the Marvel fanboys. But what is the difference... Uh, apart from superheroes and special effects between the young and the restless and the Avengers franchise. Why would I excommunicate you for like pinpointing my favorite thing about Marvel is the Chris Claremont writing that turned it all Mm -hmm. into a goddamn soap opera. (laughs) I watched days of our lives for like 10 years. Every once in a while, if I'm home during the day, I watch it and I haven't missed a damn thing. Uh, The bold and beautiful. That was, uh, that's what we're watching currently. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This week, you know, we don't have anything to do while we wait for a stupid house. So yeah, we're watching soaps. <laughs> if they're and if they sprinkle some special effects in there, I'd be like, "Wee!" <laughs> I'm telling you, it took years to get there. But uh, when Peter Demira and John Black fought, and John Black kicked him out of the castle window by swinging from the chandelier, and they were fencing shirtless, yeah. it yeah. was one of the most exciting moments in television history. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, what we're going to do today is we usually don't do something like this other than once a year when we do our year in reviews, uh, but we're going to actually do top 10 lists. Uh, we've act- This is like the 20th time we've had this request where it's not the best films of all time, but the best films of the last 10 years, and so uh, we're, we're lined up. Sam and I have worked all week on this. Uh, I started out with a list of 24 and got it down to 13 and then agonized. So, one, can I do, like, the top ten, number ten? Do you, can I do that voice do when we do this? To? Like, this isn't no, KTLA, Sam. You're not... Up next, fight back. Use the slip bruise wax for the floor. All that slip resistant. <laughs> You're not Rick D's, bud. <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing you What's- aren't. I could be. <laughs> you remember, did you know that Rick Dees uh, was the genius behind Disco Duck? I did not know that. Yeah, it's Rick Dees. Actual Rick Dees. Not some other guy named Rick Dees. Rick Dees in the Weekly huh. Top 40 is the artist behind Disco Duck. The I, worst I like, song ever recorded. I like Casey. Yeah, yeah. Casey Kasem? Yeah. Well, let's get started, Sam. And still, for the fifth week in a row, Mariah Carey. <laughs> you're right here. Casey Kasem stinks. Sam, it does. I want you to go ahead and tell me what your top ten are, starting with number ten. Wait, right now? Yeah, you're going to go first. Unless you want me to go first. Oh, no. I thought we were going to, like, you do ten, I do ten. Is that how yeah, we're doing we're it? not going to alternate. Okay. Uh, you you get the next uh, I, well, Okay, number mo- two was I wanted to talk about the process that you used. Okay. You started with 24, but how mm-hmm. did you come up with that 24? Well, I what I went, did is I am religious about rating films online so that I have a catalog. So I went to Letterboxd, our Letterboxd account, which I have been uh, adding every single movie I've seen in... I, I did a massive, massive import uh, of my Netflix ratings from that point in time. So I have probably 15 years of every movie I've ever seen in Letterboxd. Uh, so I broke it down by years. And then I seriously looked at every single movie I'd seen and thought about it. Uh, my criterias were... Uh, uh, 
whether I liked it, <laughs> that's kind of important. Um, whether I thought it did something special uh, that none of the other films surrounding it uh, were did. Uh, whether it was hard to do. Um, and if the technicals were good, if the acting was good. But most importantly, if something... One, even if it was just one small thing, really stuck with me. And every time I think about that movie, I think about that one thing. And if those, if if, it did, if the movie did everything except for that, it got kicked off the list. Okay, I thought you were going to be as sort of um, completely mechanical about it. Mm. I had an entirely different process. Okay, when we mentioned it, I didn't look up movies. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything. I would just think about it. You just sat on the toilet and looked at pictures of butts. Uh, no, I would. My my key component to making this list is if I didn't remember it without looking for it, it shouldn't be on the list. Okay, run that by me one more time. If I couldn't remember it without looking to see when and where, like if I without looking at lists or anything. Mm-hmm. If I didn't just remember it off the top of my head, then it must not have been a lasting enough impression that it should be on the list. Yeah, but then you could run into problems with, like, nine lives or something. That didn't make the cut. (laughs) No. No. Stop the podcast. We're done. I don't want to speak to you ever again. (laughs) And then I came up with, and I came up with 14 just off of going... Not looking at anything, not having any other help, just a movie that made such a lasting impression on me Mm -hmm. that I could just pull it out of the air. Okay. And then I went to my second caveat, which is I walked over to the shelf. Mm -hmm. And that was my second. If I liked it that much, I would have bought it. Mm -hmm. And those were my first two cross-examiners. And I ended up with enough that I I think I ended up with 15. But um, I then looked to see if there was anything that I'd missed, mm-hmm. and there was not. So our lists are completely different, but they're both like you thought really hard about it and gritty, and you looked through all of the files and everything, whereas I was just like, even if I look at and there was like four or five movies on there mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, yeah, that was really good. But then I would go, but I didn't remember it as much as any of these other movies. Okay. And you know where my list started with? Because I was like, I know what the number one is. It's the one I say every time. Children of Men. And I was like, oh, my God, that was made in 2005. I'm fucking old. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that were on the uh, outside. Like, oh, oopsie. uh, You're past. Nope. (laughs) Yeah. The previous 10 years, you probably would. you Like, you have that list written like five in five different locations. You've you've thought about the previous 10 years, (laughs) 2002 to 2012. But now you have to do that. Not that. Okay, what's your 10? Number 10 is Dunkirk, 2017. All right. right. Why? Because it was fucking beautiful. Okay. It was fucking beautiful. And it made me feel like, and it could be based on that one scene, or just it. Maybe Tom Hardy stole the number ten spot as the goddamn pilot himself, mm-hmm. and the cinematographer helped him out. Mm-hmm. But I loved that movie, and it made me think. You know what? Christopher Nolan is capable of not Inception or whatever that one is he just came out with. Tenant that 
that I didn't watch. Don't. And I was like, he does have some real talent. He needs to not do these terrible things. Yeah, the uh, the Hook films. The Hook films? Yeah, there's a hook. Yeah. Every, basically, every movie he's done has a hook in it, except for Dunkirk. Batman Begins and Dark Knight doesn't have a hook, really, uh, does Knight, it? Oh, yeah, Dark Knight has a hook. It's, you know, uh, that the the end, uh, a nobody makes it and Batman's the bad guy. Okay. That's, that's a total hook, man. It's not it's not Inception levels of hooks or interstellar levels of hooks. I couldn't tell you what the hook is in Inception because it outsmarted itself mm-hmm. into retardation so quickly that I was like, your math is losing itself in an incredible manner. I hate this movie. <laughs> Okay, uh, Dunkirk. And it beat out the likes of Big Short and John Wick. Yeah, uh, John Wick is also not on my list. Uh, it was on. Yeah, uh, I've got some. I've I've also made some omissions. I have a list of surprising omissions. Uh, John Wick being one of them. Okay, Dunkirk. I think that's a, a very good uh, pick. I thought about it, and it, it was on my top twenty-four. Yeah. Things just got beat out. But yeah, I, I because I think if I look at anything else on this list. Mm-hmm. It is the most stunningly beautiful of anything on this list. It's one of the best shot films ever made. I'll grant you that. And definitely was best cinematography of that year, without question. What's your number 10? Oh, I thought we were just going to, you do 10, I'll do 10. I know. What's your number 10? No, like, you do 10 in a row, I'll do 10 in a row. Oh, no. Let's go 10, let's go number by number. All right, fine. Uh, you're in review style, eh? Uh, my number 10 is Furious 7. I do really? think that Fast and the Furious can have a best movie of the last 10 years. And number seven's it. And here's why. Uh, is, it, is this the one with the submarine? No. No. Hell no. Hell no. Is that eight? Uh, I think so, yeah. Fate of the Furious. What's, what's seven? Uh, seven is the, um, uh, the it, well, it's the last Paul Walker. Oh, it's the uh, his brother being yeah. action Decker- man at the end? That yeah. shit was fucking yeah. awesome. Uh, it's the first uh, Jason Statham. He's getting revenge yeah, yeah. for uh, uh, his brother. Um, uh, I th- it's also the first one where Letty comes back. Yeah. Um, and speaking of soap operas with with uh, you know uh, special effects behind it, I'm I'm t- oh Letty comes back from the dead, uh, and uh, Deckard Shaw's getting revenge for his brother being in a coma. He could wake up at any time. Yeah, <laughs> Dylan, we all three what are you doing the, here? <laughs> we all three cried at the end of the theater. Yeah, why? So look, what sticks with me about that is a. Um, Paul Walker was a serious loss. We talked about this ad nauseum, uh, probably outside of the podcast, not so much in the podcast because everybody had talked about it to death at that point in time. But uh, to give everybody a little refresher back at that point in time, Sam and I had this thing going where we were like, who's the guy? Who's the guy? We don't have a guy. Who's the guy? There's no guy in film. There's no just action guy. There's always some guy guy. that should be doing something. There's, Mm -hmm. uh, There's always a Bruce Willis or a Tom Cruise. Right. But there's no guy that you're like, this guy here is action guy. He just does action stuff. And 
you know, Dwayne the Rock Johnson obviously kind of filled that role. That's pretty much all he does. He does the corny family movies, but he's doing action within it. But there's no, there's still not really an action guy. We were hoping it was going to be Scott Atkins. That didn't pan out. Um, maybe Tom Holland's got a shot at it. I don't know. No, he's going to do serious roles. Yeah, he, he doesn't do serious roles. It's true. But at the time, we were like, well, wait a minute. It's, it's fucking Paul Walker. Paul Walker was action guy. The guy's got chops. He can do it. He's athletic. He's built for it. He's charming. Uh, he's fun to see on screen. And uh, he's do- he's out there doing his own stunts. That guy's pretty good. And then he, he was died. action guy. And then he, he fucking died. Yeah. Being action guy in real life. Yeah. Even in the passenger seat, I guess. Right. Well, yeah. I still have a hard time. Well, I have a bad relationship with the Porsche Carrera GT. Uh, I saw one uh, at a museum about six months ago, and it kind of pissed me off a little bit. Like, goddamn, this car was too fast. Killed killed one of my friends. But that final scene uh, where uh, uh, Paul, or not Paul, what's, what was Brian? Brian's in the in the blue um, Supra, and Dom pulls up next to him in the white Supra, and they both do their little fun highway, not racing, but driving fast thing. And then Brian takes a left, waves goodbye, and he's gone. That hit so goddamn hard and like a lot of times even if you think about like um uh when other people die that are uh major pieces of franchises like um oh my god i'm blanking on his damn name uh chadwick boseman um they just walked away from it they're like okay we're done there will be another black panther but we're not even gonna bring it up it just doesn't exist uh, and a corny franchise like Furious handling the death of one of their um, bigs. One in, of their family. Yeah. It's a family. In that manner and that tastefully um, just was like, dude, you guys just killed that. You guys just killed that. Nobody else has done this right. And you guys just did. Um, you know, and then there's also obviously you can't bring up that movie without mentioning his brothers, Caleb and Cody Walker um, and the fantastic work they did and how hard that had to have been emotionally. uh, Cause they were all dude bros, but they were actual bros who were dudes. They were bro dudes. And they happen to be as athletic because they're basically stuntmen in that Mm -hmm. movie. Right. And that last sequence with him all of a sudden just becoming a fucking commando Mm -hmm. was badass. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I love that movie. Uh, it's my favorite of the series uh, just because of what it is. It's like the best cast. Um, it's the least corny of the big cast when they got big. Tony Shaw's in it, for God's sakes. Yeah. Um, every, everybody's in it. Everybody's great. Everybody's fun. Um, and it's the first Hobbs and Shaw uh, movie. So I liked it a lot. Go, Sam. Number nine for me is right on the nose Mm -hmm. of, and it'll be a surprise when we talk about it this end. It is a movie that was made in 2012, or released in 2012, Sam. Mm -hmm. Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, okay. I can see it. Moonrise Kingdom to me was one of the most beautifully done coming-of-age films that I've ever seen. It still had the sort of zaniness that a Wes Anderson film has, but it had a genuine honesty to it that a lot of his films don't have. And 
the relationship of those two preteen or you know, early teens or whatever they were was really an incredible chemistry that I've never seen reproduced. I've, I've never seen that with kids that age. And very rarely is that sort of chemistry ever developed in any film, mm-hmm. which is why I picked Moose Rise Kingdom. And Ed Norton's really funny in it. Okay. God, that have was, you seen New, Have you yeah, seen Moonrise Kingdom? That was twenty twelve. That was twenty twelve. Jesus Christ! Holy shit! I thought that was like twenty eighteen. That Man. was Budapest. That was I know. Budapest, I th- which I put both of them there, and Budapest didn't even make ranking of numbers mm-hmm. because I was like, I am supposed to put this in here because I liked it, and then I was like, but it wasn't as good as Moonrise. That one's too old, and then I looked at it. I was like, two thousand twelve. I was like, okay, no, you're going in. Yeah, it goes in. All right. Um. Huh. Okay. Uh, I figured you'd at least have one of his films on there. Uh, kind of a little surprised that it was that one, but I, I've i heard him talk about it many times, so I'm not that surprised, I guess. Uh, my number nine is Hell or High Water from 2016, starring Chris Pine, uh, Ben Foster, and Jeff Bridges, directed by um, David McKenzie. Uh, it's, it was a Best Academy nominee. Um it's a Western and it's, I, I know that you're going to say it's better than this, but for the most part, like I can think of two in the last 20 that I think are worth the shit as far as Westerns, one being this and the other one being no country for old men. Um, go ahead, go ahead. I, I'm an idiot. No, I just, whenever anyone starts blowing smoke and I I thought no country for old men was fine. I didn't love it as much as the rest of the world. But when mm-hmm. somebody starts blowing that movie, I'm like, have you seen hell or high water? Right. Right. And they're like, no, I'm like, you should go watch that now and stop talking to me about no country for old men. Yeah. Um, it's also a, a it's a failed. Well, it's, I mean, it is a failed heist movie, um, which everybody likes a heist movie, but this is, this one's a dark heist movie uh it's right at this time where i thought it just landed so well with um what i was trying to do the the whole plot is that the family's been screwed over by the bank and these two brothers have no choice but to go and rob a bank to try to save it um and jeff bridges is the cop that's or the marshal or whatever that's on their ass um i thought that it just sometimes movies come at the exact right time and even being eight years off of the big short 2008 financial crisis i was still pretty pissed at the banks i'm still a little pissed at the banks uh and what they i mean sadly it's it's partially why donald trump was elected is that these people Middle America, uh, heartland were getting shit on by big money and they had had enough of it. And so you got this guy coming in saying, Oh, I'm going to clean up everything. And by clean it up, I mean, I'm going to put it all in my pockets and then walk away with it. Never go to jail because I'm a fucking asshole. Um, but then fail at that, but just fuck everything else up just as bad. Right. But dupe those people that were tired of that shit. Um, I thought that Hell or High Water was not just a great Western uh, and a great heist movie. I thought it was just 
a very well stated film that kind of had a pulse on how people were feeling that weren't the coastal elites. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we living in Idaho. We had to deal with a lot of this bullshit. Idaho is a big farming area. I now live in an even bigger farming area. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I know these people. I grew up with these people. You know what I mean, Sam? You had ran. You had a. You were on a ranch. Yeah, I grew up on you a had ranch. Cattle. Yeah, right. You understand it completely. Exactly. Yeah, and it was part of that group of Ty Sheridan movies that just sort of came out of nowhere. The mm-hmm. actor from uh, the what was the motorcycle game sh- gang show? Uh, um. Uh. Oh. Uh. Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, Sons of Anarchy. And I guess he'd gotten interested in like a lot of the goings on and the research they were doing. And it's like, it's still sort of a quizzical thing that he popped out those three scripts or he'd been working on them and they all sort of got sold around the same time. And that the arrival sticks out a little bit like a sore thumb because mm-hmm. the other one was Sicario, which missed my list. It was a few out. Yeah. Um, but it was like a finger on the pulse. This is what's going on at the fucking border right now. Mm hmm. And yeah. it was really well done as well, but uh, Hell or High Water was uh, had emotional depth and character complexity that Sicario did not have. True, true. Uh, it was that was yeah no uh, the characters in Hell or High Water this is why you show up. Um, it's currently streaming on Netflix. If you've never seen it, stop what you're doing. Go uh, go watch it tonight. It Say- was the first one. I couldn't. The first ones out, which I still had a hard time with picking which one was 11, so I just didn't because I didn't really care. I just have a kind of a pile after this was mm-hmm. uh, Her and Hell or High Water. Yeah, yeah. Hell, Her also didn't make my top, even though it was really good. It was You're really up. good. You're up next, Sammy. Number eight. Ready Player One. Okay. I knew you were going to put that someplace. Any movie that I put in my car and I drive around and I force people to watch <laughs> must be that good. Okay. All right. I'm going to need some more. <laughs> it was fan service at a maximum level without seeming like it. Mm-hmm. It was a movie made by a guy that should know nothing about these things, competently doing it and taking a novel that was written mostly as fan service to him. And then took himself out of it and put Stanley in instead. There was a level of Spielberg that happened with the making of that film when he was like, I actually didn't think I was going to pull this off. And the people that were telling me it was good were just like, okay, you loved the book and you like video games. You like it because you like these things, right? So I watch it knowing that Spielberg himself didn't think he was going to pull it off. And that the only recommendations I had been getting given were fanboys. And I'm like, this is really good. And it was just a very warming experience when they all meet each other in real life. And they're really friends. And they, it, the, the van chase scene was heartwarming on a next level. And also Gundam. Gundam. Yeah. Um, that he did Gundam better than Gundam did Gundam. There is a lot of because we're on a technology technological uh, precipice here. Uh, Elon Musk is killing monkeys by trying to plug them into the Matrix, and uh, there is a lot. I think that there's going to be a lot of uh, more 
going into the internet movies that are on that would maybe would have been on the way if Ready Player One hadn't been like, yeah, no, you're done. Don't go into the internet. I I, I handled it, guys. But guys, I took care of it. We don't need to go into the internet anymore. I, I got it covered. Yeah. Remember what the lawnmower man mm-hmm. and hackers really blew? Yep. I fixed that. Yeah. I, I, I It's me. It's me, Steven. Remember me? Kind of a big deal. <laughs> I just made Lincoln. You guys didn't watch it. <laughs> Narrowly outside. That was really good. <laughs> yeah. So he went ahead and took care of that for us. And that was a nice favor. Thank you, Mr. Spielberg. Uh, because it is, it's cool. And like, if you weren't super already plugged into tech, especially on the gaming side of things uh, and futurology, you would see a lot of things and be like, that's cool. And I didn't ever think about that. And when you have something in a film, usually that that's, it's, is that science fictiony? People go, Oh, well that's, yeah, but that's just a movie thing. Spielberg did it in such a way. And I'm sure the book covers it as well. Um, that is like, okay, that makes sense. I could see that actually existing in the real world. Like that's not just the matrix and bullshit. That looks like something because it's very, the whole movie is very commercial based. These, everything that they have is things that you can buy. I mean, the guy is dirt ass poor, right? And he's still uh, one of the biggest deals in the metaverse. Fuck you, yeah. Zuckerberg. Eat shit. Your meta stupid thing is stupid. Um, so it's, it's accessible to everybody and it's all like, well, I would buy that, you know? I, that looks cool. I'd buy that. I'd play that game. I'd jump into that thing. I'd do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Spielberg should just take over Facebook and like do us all a favor. No, just, he should keep making movies. Yeah, he should make more movies. It's true. Did you see West Side Story yet? No, I didn't. No, I haven't either. I'm, no. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Oh, and I'm scared yeah. of it, but it's Spielberg. And I'm like, ah, everybody says it's really good. And I'm like, God damn it. I don't want to watch that movie. I'm just hoping it wasn't like um, Sabrina, because I'm a huge uh, Sidney Pollack fan. Uh-huh. If somebody asked me who the best director is, my answer is Sidney Pollack. You didn't ask me who the best auteur is. You didn't ask me who the best filmmaker is. You asked me who the best director is. Sidney Pollack directed movies, and they were all good. He didn't mm-hmm. write m- m- you know, only half of them. And at the tail of his career, he took a really bad waiver on Sabrina, which was like, don't do that. The one Sabrina with, uh, with Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford don't yeah. do that. And wow. you watch it, I was like, that's not bad. <laughs> not bad, Sydney. You're always good, baby. He's money. He's money. Sydney <laughs> Pollock's money. All right. Uh, in the similar vein, uh, about the same level of popcorn eatingness is my number eight. Uh, and the only MCU film to make the list, Guardians of the Galaxy from 2014. It was fun. I left Thor 3 well outside, but I remembered it enough to write it down. Um, I still think Thor 3 is more fun. It's funnier. It is. It. I feel it's dangerous because every movie... It, it, when we talked about what Spielberg just did, mm-hmm. Taika Watiti fixed Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. The action comedy. Yeah. And now everybody's going to do it, and most of it's going to suck. Yeah, it's true. Uh, we will hear from Take a YTD uh, on my list much higher. Uh, yes, 
Ragnarok is funner. Yes, Ragnarok is funnier. Uh, but that's not why I put Guardians on this list. A, we should all remember... Uh, in fact, I'm going to throw you under the bus because uh, you... Before Guardians came out, uh, the Avengers had just come out, 2012. And uh, I told you... We weren't expecting the Avengers to be good. And Jackie and I went to the movie theater and I was like, Dude, Sam... The Avengers was actually honestly really good. And you were like, no way. And then you saw it and you were like, wow, that was actually pretty good. Um, so we we had all been accustomed to, well, hey, the, the MCU is actually doing some really good stuff and, and with these comic book movies. Like, what the hell? You can't make a good comic book movie. That's not a thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then you hear about Guardians and you were like, is that that Adam Warlock spaceship? I hate that crap. <laughs> Adam Warlock fucking blows. <laughs> And they're bringing him in. <laughs> Who's this Star Lord asshole? I don't even. That sounds stupid. And then, and oh, then, I read some of the Guardian shit. And it was <laughs> poppycock. It was Kree scroll scroll war bullshit. There was never anything interesting. Inconsistent. They couldn't keep it published. It was a rag. It was a bit of a rag. And then you, me, and Jackie went and saw it at the theater. And about halfway o- through it. I looked at both of you and you guys both looked at me and we were all like, yeah, this is not just fun. Good. This is good. Good. Um, and one of the things I want to talk about, uh, and it's obvious is, uh, Star Lord's, uh, super awesome mixtape volume one, right? Why that's so important is because to this day, I can't hear any of those songs without being pulled, not back into the time they were made because they were made before I was born, even though I'm super old, uh, <clears throat> but to those scenes, um, specifically the, the scene where it, they're af- a- after the bar and uh, Star-Lord and uh, um, the deadliest woman on the planet, help me out here, or on the, in the universe, not Nebula. Gamora, um, they're you know they're sharing the headphones and it's uh, fooled around and fell in love, and I didn't really care about that song. Like it, it, you know, it's on. It was like one of those songs. It's like, do you remember the seventies? Well, we've got a new collection, and it's two people, and you're like, these people are dorks, and I don't like this music. But then after that movie, I started listening to that song on the radio, and I was like, dude, this is a great fucking song and there's lots of those um throughout that entire movie uh especially like like the end uh we're gonna do a dance battle and and uh uh uh, not drax um ronan is like what the fuck uh it's just a great scene and it's all driven because james gunn loved those music that music so goddamn much and i think back to like also like forrest gump and how great of a soundtrack that was and how much that stuck with me and I, but I'm seriously like, I can't avoid Guardians of the Galaxy 1, even if I had, if I never see it again, never liked Marvel movies, anything like that, that has to stick with me because I listen to that type of music so fucking much. Um, you know, even just the, like, I, I could just talk about every single one on that, on that soundtrack and tell you exactly what was happening in that movie when that song comes on and how well it fit with what was going on in, on the screen. Um, 
the movie's bigger and better than just the soundtrack, but that's what I wanted to talk about um, and why it's number eight on my list. And why it is better than Thor 3, because it does two impossibles. You mentioned it made a great movie out of a rag comic, mm-hmm. and it beat the Forrest Gump soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. That's like the Nolan Ryan strikeout record. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, number seven, Zammy. Also, oh, for me ahead. to defend it even further, you know how bad I am about, like, I'm not watching that until I watch the one before it. I'm not watching mm-hmm. these out of, you can't watch these out of order. Right. If somebody that I know wants to start getting into it and they want to watch the Marvel movies with him, I'm like, oh, just let's let's start here yeah, with Guardians because yeah, it's not really in order anyway. And you, this yeah. is, you're going to have, this is a better gateway drug to this than anything Abs- will be. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Highly accessible. Okay, number seven. 2016's La La Land. Ooh, wow. There's a musical on Sam's list. You are super gay. (laughs) I hate musicals. And my mom and I tap danced out of that theater holding hands. (laughs) Bibbidi bop do that do. White guy jazz. On paper, I should hate this movie. You should hate it so bad. And I love it so fucking much. (laughs) Which is, I don't even have to say more. It's like, why is that on your list? Because it's something I hate, and I have to hold it like a fuzzy bunny. Mm. Okay. Uh, Let's go back to the cinematography. The cinematography in that movie, again, is dumb. I think it's actually might be even better than Dunkirk. I don't think the cinematography is better, but I think the compositing and even though it's visual effects, not necessarily with computer generated uh, animation, Mm -hmm. that it is a lot of compositing work with really good cinematography, that element sort of, it's very unique in its visual presentation because of that yeah uh i think that you're not as maybe not as chuffed on the cinematography as i am uh there is a light of a lot of choreography with the camera work in that though uh, everybody was dancing the cameraman was dancing yeah my mom and i were dancing out of the theater (laughs) my diet coke got up and started doing a dance popcorn grabbed it by the hand and said yep. let's go to the concessions yeah. baby <laughs> oh no that was the thing that played before the movie started that's right that was a fever dream I had uh, yeah La La Land I only I don't like it that much uh, I think it's fine you didn't like it that much then yeah I think it's fine um, but I don't think it goes much past that where is Emma Stone is she okay Oh, I mean, she had a couple kids, didn't she? I have no idea, but she is just not around. Like, where'd she go? Maybe she's being a responsible parent, if that was the case. I haven't seen her. I checked over there. I checked over there. I haven't seen her. I can't find her. Emma, you over here? (laughs) Yeah, she might. I don't know. Uh, She was in that uh, Queen movie not very long ago with uh, 
Uh, it was like three years ago, nominated for an Oscar. Oscar uh, Olivia Coleman won Best Actress, and she was amazing in it. But the film itself wasn't that great, uh, and Emma what? Stone definitely wasn't. She was in 101 Dalmatian, or the Cruella oh, yeah. DeVille movie. Most- yeah. Oh, boy, and that stunk. I didn't watch it. Uh, I walked out after Jackie and I and the kiddo were watching it um, because the origin story of Cruella DeVille was that she loved dogs, but then she trespassed one time and two Dobermans chased her like out of a mansion. And then her mom was like, no, don't eat my child. But then like the Dobermans knocked her off a cliff and she fell to her death. And now Cruella was like, must kill puppies. <laughs> I mean, it was dumb. It was so dumb. <laughs> I was like, nope, 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 nope. I'm out. Okay, uh, number seven over here. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, you can call it an MCU film, I guess. Not really. I mean, it could be now because of the multiverse, but uh, at the time it wasn't. My it was- only argument to support you is it's higher on my list. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm sure you'll probably want to talk about some of the same things. Uh, I'll reach out and, uh, just say that Miles is just such a great fucking character. And I'll, I'll reiterate what I said in the year in the review is why it's a better, um, uh, we only have two movies, uh, and they're both superhero movies. Like the young kid looks up on the screen and says, Bonnie, that guy looks like me. Um, why Black Panther was such a big deal. Uh, Yeah, but he's not you. That guy's the king of a country that is hidden by magic science. He, you have nothing in common with that character except for the color of your skin. That's kind of sucks. Miles is your guy. Little boy. Yeah. You have a lot in common with Miles. Everybody's got a lot in common with Miles. I mean, like Miles took me back to being 13 years old, 13, 14. And like, what was going on in my life at that point in time. And I'm watching miles do it while also being a superhero and, um, awesome and funny and great. And like, he's got some family shit. He's got to deal with too. And also save the world. Um, the other thing is, is fan service. Do you see uh, far from home yet? Nope. Okay. I didn't love it. I'll, I think it's actually the weakest out of the three, and I'm in a very small minority there. Um, it's fan service, hard fan service, but I didn't like it. Like when Toby Maguire shows up, everybody in the freaking theater lost their shit. Oh my gosh! Ah, ah, clap, clap! Like, dude, you guys knew he was in it. Like, you knew. Uh, oh, there's Andrew Garfield. Why? Wait, you clapping for Andrew Garfield? You didn't like those movies. You hated those movies. Why are you clapping for Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man? Like, oh, he's my favorite. No, he's not. You hated him. Uh, like, both scenes where that happens to me were just like, bleh, fan service. Like, I mean, they were fan service because, hey, who's that in the shadows? Oh, well, it's going to be another Spider-Man because they're in, like, you already got the bad guys from Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's world in this movie. And then they should, of course, they're going to show up. You, God damn it. Yeah. Um, well, people I, lost their freaking shit. But the fan service that happens in uh, Spider-Verse 
because it crosses the Spider-Verse. It does the exact same thing. No Way Home couldn't exist without Into the Spider-Verse. And it handled it very well. (laughs) Like, uh, remember the... Spider-Man 3, where I did the little kooky dance outside the store. Yeah, that happened. Um, It was funny. And, like, nobody was even talking about Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man movies at that point in time. We were all, oh, MCU, MCU, Tom Holland, Tom Holland. Uh, And just those little subtle things. And Fat Peter. And uh, freaking Spider-Man Noir. And, like, god damn, the whole goddamn thing is freaking great. It's... An amazing film. I may as well just burn it now when we get to it on my list. Like, we already talked about this, but this is where I was at on it. I watched it with my daughter, who at the time was very young. Because that's 2018, so that's Mm -hmm. four years ago. So she was six, Mm -hmm. five and a half. She was barely old enough to get it. Yeah. And my parents, my stepdad, my mom, and it proved that a movie can identify, and from a writing perspective, with anyone of any age. And it was, I still don't know if I could name another movie that anyone of any age identifies existentially and emotionally with something as much as anyone can identify with that film. Also, because it's on, it's our first in common best films of the last 10 years. At some point, the Oscar will be given to an animated film that doesn't deserve it mm-hmm. because Wally and this one did. Yeah. 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 Hashtag free Wally. Go back in time. Change that mistake, guys. All right. Uh, I hope you have more to say about it uh, when you get there. Uh, you're number six. The second film on my list from 2012, Silver Linings Playbook. Okay. David O. Russell. David O. Russell. I just uh, name me a better uh, romantic comedy ever. And if you say when Harry met Sally, I'll take it with a grain of salt, but you love no, it, I guess. I won't. I won't. It's not as good as this one. It hasn't aged not. well. Like Annie yeah. Hall, maybe. 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 Uh no, it's not. But Annie Hall's not, because Annie Hall It's cute. Maybe <laughs> maybe Annie Hall sets up what is to become the rom com. Uh-huh. But in and of itself, it is not, spoiler alert, they don't get together. Right. It's right. not a romantic comedy. It's a Woody Allen existential comedy. I don't think they do in When Harry Met Sally either. Yeah, they do. They're talking okay. about how they met. They just oh. they just don't get together like five fucking times. Oh, okay. Huh. All right. Uh, yeah. No, I, I don't think either of those are as good. Uh, Silver Linings is very much higher on my list. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, Bradley Cooper, obviously, um, and uh, Jennifer Lawrence. It was this was J Law's big break, wasn't it? Like she was, she was around. She'd been in some good stuff, but this was the first like 
you're gonna do something. You're not just Katniss Aberdeen. Because those movies suck, lady. Right? <sighs> like, you, Didn't she have could... a boat? I mean, that's the problem. You just... Oh, those exist? Oh, yeah, those exist. Right. I don't think she'd been in a good, good, good movie. Like, uh, Winter's Bone was like... Oh, yeah. Winter's was, Bone's where she came from, and it's a good it was movie. It's good, but not like, wow, we could put her I... in good movies. And then she proceeded to not be in good movies. Um, X-Men movies. God, those stink. Uh, what else? What else? Has she ever done anything else that I liked? Joy was okay. Uh, I heard Mother was really good. Passengers with, uh, Chris Pratt, I thought was actually pretty strong. It's not great, but it's good. Oh, that's actually the darling of the last 10 years, according to the internet. Because I did go back and look to see, because I made my list, I finalized it, and I was like, Stamp, double stamp, triple stamp. What's the internet have to say? Passengers. Really? Yeah. I liked it. I don't think it's great, but I thought I thought it was good. I thought it was a nice science fiction. It's also a, it's a science fiction rom-com. Uh, dark as shit, though. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my number six is Manchester by the Sea. Higher on my list. Okay. Wow. That seems like we had a lot of crossover more than you thought we did. Well, we do now, but our first one was Spider-Man. Right. Spider-Verse. Um, Manchester by the Sea from 2016, arguably the greatest year in film. Uh, Sam says it's 2012, apparently, uh, is rough. It is a rough, rough, rough movie. Um, but that you I, have to watch. Yeah. That's why it's up here. Yeah. Why it's higher on my list. Uh, Would you like to man. be tortured emotionally and cry by yourself? No. Well, you have to. You have to. You fucking have to. Um, yeah. Terms of endearment. Is it rougher than Terms of Endearment? Hell yes. Hell yes. And no. more rewarding at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one of the best scripts ever. Just like uh, Woody Allen's a uh, Woody Allen, wherever society is on him, whether you lock him up or don't lock him up. I don't care. Woody Allen is a great screenwriter. He can eat shit next to Manchester by the Sea. He never wrote anything as good as that movie. And in terms of its... People were like, well, it didn't really have the glam and the really good shooting. No, the cinematography is beautiful because mm-hmm. it matches the tone of the film. It's a lot of static shots. Right. It's really fucking gloomy. Look at the exposures. Look at how well it does what it does. So, it's a movie about grief and loss. And I was listening to a podcast recently about uh, on, on the hidden brain. Um Pretty popular podcast, but uh, grief came up in one of these, and I'm I'm struggling with life where I'm at uh, because it sucks. And the other day, like we don't have a dog door, and I left the house, and I left the dogs inside the corgis. And as everybody already knows, we lost somebody else, one of our other dogs, on the way here. And I was like, what if something bad happened? Like, and we lost both of the corgis. Uh, cause like, I love those dogs so goddamn much. Um, what would happen? Like, would there be a period where like Jackie and I couldn't speak to each other, like losing a child? Yeah. yeah we've lost dogs before, but like we, if we lost all three of them because we moved, would there be like some mental health issues that she and I would experience that could cause us to maybe possibly split up? 
like even that far because the grief is so hard and that's what happens in Manchester and uh this lady on the hidden brain she had a daughter um she was a a a, a neuropsychologist and she had it not the daughter but she, the lady um she uh she had a daughter who uh asked if she could ride in to the sporting event with her friend and and her parents said yes and they get to the sporting event and they don't show up and they wait and they wait and they wait and they wait finally a cop comes and says i'm sorry your daughter's dead there's been a car crash a drunk driver hit him um and 99 percent of the time in relationships where they lose a child right the 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 parents split up they can't no matter how much they love each other they can't do it Mm -hmm. man is not there is a point where, it, like, your grief overcomes everything. And they told this lady, um, she, you know, the, they, like, sent her to, uh, a, a, you know, the hospital um, for her grief and grief management. And they told her, right off the next five years of your life, they're gone. They're absolutely gone. They're done. And she, as a neuropsychologist, she said, no. I don't think that I want that. And so she learned to manage her grief in a really strong and like tough way. But, you know, she juggled her grief with her life and she was able to continue living her life and her and her parent, her husband stayed together. Um, And I thought that was a really neat story, but it made me think about Manchester and why it's so hard is because the, the writing is so strong and it's hard to step into somebody's shoes like that without experiencing that type of grief. And that takes superior writing for the viewer to be able to empathize in the manner that you do with those characters. And goddamn that um, uh, uh, Kenneth Lordigan and goddamn that Casey Affleck and especially goddamn that um, uh, Michelle Williams because her scene oh. just fucking is devastating, right? Uh, but it's important. It's an important movie to experience. Um, as a fan of movie or uh, uh, as a, a fan of human emotion or just mankind in general, Manchester by the Sea has to be watched. It's Casey Affleck's character dealing with his nephew's grief when he himself cannot deal with his own. Yeah, right. And you are told why. Like, you get to know him as a character as his nephew is getting to re-associate and get mm-hmm. to know who he is now. And at the end of the movie, he's like, this is why I'm this fucked up. I'm this fucked up, but I'm still going to fucking help you. Right. And you're like, you have to fucking watch this movie. <laughs> All right. Save those thoughts for when you get it to it on I your can't. I just left it out on the field on both of those. <laughs> okay. All right. Number six for you. I was already number six with Silver Lime. I'm up to number five. Oh, number five. Yeah, right, right, right. Number five is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I knew it was going to be there someplace. Yep. Okay. My favorite one of his movies. He's finally calmed down. He's he's honed his craft all the way. He's finally been brave enough, instead of to have Tarantino business in a movie that is sellable, mm-hmm. to actually just make a whole movie that's way too long that's Tarantino fucking nonsense. Mm-hmm. And I loved every second of it. Hashtag flamethrower. Mm-hmm. Hashtag flamethrower. Uh, God, is it his best movie? 
I drove around with him in my car and made people watch it. I mean, I don't think I can say no. Um, it has all of the things that Pulp Fiction does, and it does them better. It flushes them out longer. It develops all of the ideas. It sticks with the themes and emotions, whether they're cute, fun, uh, versus a little heavy. It just is a more mature roast. Yeah, I really like Django Unchained, but it's not it's not as good. Um, no, it is. I, I'll 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 rubber stamp that. It's his best movie. Yeah. Okay. All right. I I've now said it out loud. Therefore, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anything that sticks with you about it, other than the obvious, the flamethrower. Uh, in terms of its, I think its editing was supremely underrated. I don't mm-hmm. think it even got nominated for the editing category because it was edited so well <laughs> they didn't that even, no one couldn't even noticed tell it was edited. <laughs> that every goddamn shot had leading or trailing sound. Everything was on a dime, regardless of how long the shot was. If he was cutting things a little faster or slower, the pace, because of the movement on screen, like, it is a goddamn tight movie. And it didn't even get noticed for editing because the editing was too damn good. Uh, Let's just uh, double check that before you give out some fake news. Uh, If it didn't win, it didn't get noticed. uh, Sound editing. It was not nominated for best editing. You're absolutely right. How about that? Huh, huh, huh. Even How I do said you fucking patch that three-hour disaster yeah. together and not get best editing? <clears throat> wow. Okay. All right. That's... Huh. Um, I think the Citizen Kane of nonsense. Yeah. I think what sticks with me is the scene out at, at the ranch uh, where Brad Pitt goes out there and it's just so gross. And like, you know, Rob Zombie, when you deal with rednecks... They oh like a lot of movies just go into the Rob Zombie. We're gonna make sure. Rob Zombie rednecks. That's well, those guys are scary, but there's such a like like a like a caricature of actual scary rednecks. Uh, and the Charlie Manson rednecks at the ranch are horrifying because uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know that that's where the film was going when he shows up at the ranch. It took me probably another 20 minutes before I was like, wait a minute, this is Charlie Manson's ranch. What the hell's going on in this movie? And I was already like disturbed by the rednecks stalking him, even though I know he's a super badass dude. Mm-hmm. I still like felt fright for him as a character. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting, weird movie that I still don't know how I feel about it. I definitely like it. I just don't know how I feel about it. Why I like it so much is it speaks to my own sensibilities of making a bad joke too long. Mm-hmm. Because this is a high concept film that yeah. isn't a high concept film. This is sum upable and pitchable in one line. What if the Manson family rocked into the wrong house? Right, right. That's how you sell it. Mm-hmm. But then it's 
not that at all. It's, it's not so that much at all. more and so much more imaginative. Right. And it's just a really long, bad joke that's hilarious. It's just the title. It's seriously just the title. It's, I love it. It's just... I've watched it five times already. And it's only been out for four, two years. Two years, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, it, that's one we don't share. It it was on the outside looking in. Um, number five for me is Moonlight. Uh, with the Marsharla... Mar, Marsharla Ali. Um, that guy. Love him. Uh, from 2016, the greatest year in film, according to me, not for Sam. Um, probably not a lot of people who saw this uh, that follow the show. It did win Best Picture that year. Uh, I was floored by it. And I'm going to try to tap dance around some stuff because I- I'm not a gay man. I don't attempt to speak for gay men. Sure. But uh, I think that Hollywood does a very bad job of speaking for gay men. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking about Don't Call Me By Your Name and The, the Power bird of cage? the Dog and The Birdcage and The Power of the Dog that just came out. Um, and Don't Mess With the Zohan. Yeah, I have right. never seen that. Is that about gay men? <laughs> or is he just silly and a hairstylist? I think he's just a silly hairstylist. Uh, don't Call Me By Your Name is like Oh well, let's make it sexy. Let's ha- let's have them like being sexy gay guys. And uh, Brokeback Mountain, same thing. Uh, oh, it's it's like let's let's put people on edge because gay men can be sexy. Um, look, I don't like straight people being sexy. I don't like sex scenes in movies. I like skip it. I'm done with them. I'm over them. I I had Cinemax. I don't need to see sex scenes. Like I want story, not not people rubbing on each other. I don't need that. So like, don't make it about sex. If, if it's straight or gay, don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm checked out by that point when you're like, Oh dude, their tongues are all over each other. I'm like, who cares? Um, power of the dog, uh, nominated for Academy Award, boring as hell. But even past that, people were like, Oh, it's such a strong thing that says something about gay people, dude, uh, and homophobia. And seriously, the whole hook is that, uh, a guy, uh, that Benedict Cumberbatch went to a, a guy's restaurant and ripped up his uh, centerpiece on his table and the guy killed him for it. That's as homophobic as it got. Uh, vengeance for ripping up my centerpiece. Fuck off. That's not... It's, it's, fuck off. That's like the, the, the homophobia in American Beauty's handled a lot well and nobody even likes that movie. Yeah. Uh, this is not about any of that. Moonlight is... Like, tough guys are gay, too. It's also just, like, a really well-done, normal gay people. Mm-hmm. Like, well, they're not and normal because they're... Black is a super bad dude. Super big-time criminal. But... I guess in the way... I don't know that it's normal. Well, yeah, there is. There's a lot of super bad dudes out there. There's a lot of criminals. There's a lot of... And like, yeah, anybody can be gay. Also, Mm -hmm. like, love spans years, all this other stuff. I thought it was a really good movie. I didn't even have it in consideration Mm -hmm. because of how I just thought that its subject matter elevated it above some films that were actually made better. 
Okay. La La Land and Manchester by the Sea, I thought were stronger pictures. Okay. And I thought that it was a very good movie, but because it was about this, it, it had to be, and that the, the book had been sort of a darling around the, uh, literary circuit as well Mm -hmm. yeah i just thought that like i'm not black i don't know what that's like i'm not gay i don't know what that's like but this made me this this movie made me feel a connection with black the character trevante rose is the actor uh everybody's deadly in it marshall ali god that guy's great he was fantastic what's the gal's name that ends up being Chanel monet and boy, is she hot. Um, and also, I mean, like, just after she's like, I'm, so I'm, I'm bef- actually a singer. And <laughs> they're like, well, you should just, like, be in a run of Academy Award winning uh-huh. nom- movies. You should just do that. And she's like, but I wanted to sing. So, yeah, she's really, like, really, really hot. Like, really, 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 like, really, really, really hot. And uh, then I found out she's lesbian. I was like, you know, as a as a straight man, you whenever you find out that like somebody you were like super bonered about is a lesbian, even though you have like that's never gonna happen, pal. Uh, you're kind of like, oh dang, man. But then uh, uh, she said something at the Met Gala just last week, and her pronoun is they. So does that mean? Just the door swings both ways? I don't know. I <laughs> like, feel like there... I have the power to turn her back. Are you saying there's a chance? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what that I don't the pronoun thing I'm she like is, she is gorgeous. Oh yeah. She's dumb look good looking. And dumb, that's why I've always Doesn't been like when especially when I was still single or you know, you'd you'd meet somebody and be like, Oh, I hate the gays or whatever they're gonna say <laughs> redneck wise, right? Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I'm like, why exactly? it's uh, it's unnatural like hold on i'm just gonna do some math for you more chicks for you yeah dumbass i love lesbians you shouldn't (laughs) right (laughs) you shouldn't they're better at screwing than you are pal (laughs) fucking up your shit uh all right uh yeah i I thought moonlight was fantastic i could have in a like the next four are so good that Maybe in a different decade, Moonlight would have been number one, but uh, the next four, it's all real close, but go ahead. Are we at my number four? I think so. Spider-Verse. Okay. Uh, that's the same thing about, I said kind of about um, when you said Manchester. It had something for everyone, but it spoke to the human condition in such mm-hmm. a universal way yes. that there's only two movies on this list. And that's what's special about the last 10 years, apparently is start naming movies on that list. The list of movies that universally speak to the human condition. There's like a handful. Mm-hmm. And there's two on this list. Also, what we didn't really talk about is how fucking good the visual element in the unconventional 2D with a 3D. There was 3D, but they made it this sort of 2D look. And then they straight up did 2D animation, screen paint look stuff. That film was fucking beautiful. Yeah. It sounded great. Super cool. Everybody's in it. Chris Pine was awesome. And he's in it for like two minutes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can't wait for the next one. And then I just can't wait to see Miles in live action. Because, sorry, Pete. Like, I love Peter Parker, but... And I'm going to talk about Peter Parker later. Uh, Miles is it. Miles is the show. Love him. 
Like yeah. how how Brian Michael Bennis was able to do that without getting like tomatoed out of town. Like, oh well, uh, there's a new Spider Man, and he's not Peter Parker. Kill him! Like, you know, get the posse together and string him up. Like, we put how- Wolverine in the Avengers, and I believe in the nineties. Mm-hmm. There had been call to do that, and there was such an X-Men fanboy outpouring, like, we will come down and burn yeah. down the Marvel yeah. offices. We'll, we'll storm the Capitol. And then he was like, I'll do it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> I made an extra Spider-Man. What do you think? They tried to kill the last guy that did that. It was in the 90s. You remember Ben Riley? Yeah, they, they murdered him. They murdered the shit out of him. <laughs> he was a good character. <laughs> They killed the piss out of him. Yeah, Dan Slott's still dealing with hate mail for Superior Spider-Man. Yeah. But uh, Brian Michael Bennis, off the hook, created Miles. So, <laughs> because Miles is awesome. Uh, number four for me. I don't think you saw this, Sam. Uh, 2016. Bam! Uh, Lion. With, you know, uh, I never watched that. Dev Patel. Nicole Kidman. I like him a lot. He was yep. fantastic in Newsroom. The movie, the show I always talk about. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Uh, I adopted a kid because of the lion, the movie. When I saw lion, um, I had never thought about adoption at all. Uh, and after that, it planted seeds that led to us being parents. I, which then not, proves that you don't hi- hyperbole ever listen to anything I say. Uh, no, I told you that we were thinking about adopting after I had saw Lion. And then you oh. were like, dude, you should do that. Oh, I um, thought I had been pushing that button a while before that. Because no, I was pushing no. on that pretty hard. No. Uh, Lion uh, Lion was it. Uh, it's very powerful. And it should be sad, but it's not. Um, it's just a really great movie based off of a true story. Um, like... Like the human traffic, like there's human trafficking in it, and you still feel good after watching it. Um, it and like the fact that this shit still goes on every day sucks, but where Dave Patel's um, uh, sorrow Breerly, I'm not, I'm sure I did a terrible job of pronouncing that the, the person's name, where his life goes, uh, after being lost, uh, in uh i think i think he gets lost in mumbai it was mumbai at the time uh or is it the other way around is it bombay now or mumbai now i think it was bombay back in the day now it's mumbai forget istanbul it's constantinople now it's istanbul it's constantinople now um yeah he gets lost in that big town in india and uh gets eventually you know separated from his his birth mother uh even though she was a great birth mother and then as an adult he goes on a quest to find her and be reunited with her uh it's also just a really beautiful movie i know that we've been tossing that word around but it's underpraised for the way it's shot there is Scenes in that movie that seriously could be still framed printed out and then hung on a wall and some guy would come into your house and be like Oh, well, that's a very thought-provoking piece. What does it mean? And you'd be like, it's from a movie called Lion. You should go watch it, jackass. Get out of my house. Uh, Oh, well, I like it very much. What would it take to buy it off of you? (laughs) I've got a gallery. (laughs) People talk like that, right? They just come into your house and start talking like that. (laughs) 50 bucks. 
The very poster from a hotel. Very interesting poster of two ladies wearing bikinis you've got here. What does it mean? Well, it's from a movie called Malibu Express. Yes, I see. Very, very droll, sir. <laughs> what are you doing in my house? Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> uh, yeah, Lion uh, changed my life. Literally changed my life. Uh, I highly recommend it. Highly. It I've is been... not a crappy feeling movie. It is a good feeling movie. And that's 2016, right? It is. The other, I was, tr- I've been meaning to double feature that with Salesman, which was the best foreign film mm-hmm. um, for all, years now, since about 2016. And I just haven't gotten to it. Yeah. I, I love it. I love Lion. I think about it a lot. Keanu Reeves and Nick Cage could take a break. I'd get a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Okay, you're next. Number three for me, mm-hmm. a film that I defended in bars to my friends who claimed inaccuracies about it. I was alone. Def- I it wasn't a lone defender because a lot of other people thought this movie was good, but there was a lot of trash said about this movie, and I would fucking basically like, let's go fight in the street or go watch it. And tell me you didn't walk out of it with what you walked in, or you did study what was happening and actually got the point of it. Zero Dark Thirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I struggled to not have this in my top ten. I really was like, what am I fucking doing if I can't put Zero Dark Thirty in my top ten? But I just couldn't. I couldn't put it outside of my... I was surprised that it... Actually, no. It, it landed right where it needed to land for me. Yeah. Um. It's a top three film for a lot of people. Because I had to I had to defend it because people didn't fucking get it. Or people didn't watch it. And like, oh, that's the movie that like uh totally endorses torture. Right. Uh no, watch it. You should watch it because they got it on a tip. They yeah, didn't the even get it on work. a tip. Yeah. Because then another guy was like, Oh yeah, it was what we brought to the Saudis and got like, no, it was in the fucking file cabinet. Mm-hmm. After I, all that, it was in the fucking file cabinet. It is two movies, and I think that's where, like, you could either praise it or not praise it, um, and where, like, some controversy controversy, controversy comes from is that it is two films, and the second half is so much better than the first half. That's what keeps me outside of the Jason Clark stuff. If it had just been that the whole time, I'd have been like, no, I hated that movie. But the second half is so goddamn oh, amazing. Oh, I think he's beautiful in the first half, and really? he's probably uh, one of the reasons yeah. why you still hate him, because you hated him in that movie so much that yeah. you still hate uh, him. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't Because like he that didn't first ever half. do anything right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with the two halves put together, you get that. And also that it's two halves put together. It's very accurate as you can be with a Hollywood film. And it's solid. It is mm-hmm. a solid, wonderfully paced, well-built film. And it is so much better than the one she won an Academy Award for. It's yeah, not no funny. shit, huh? No shit. <coughs> it is not funny. Um, You know, there's also like a lot of like, I don't want to go back to that time, that point in time. Like, thinking about all that stuff, uh, like, somebody could romanticize that era. Like, oh, remember the good old days when we were fighting Muslims? Like, instead of stringing up ladies for having abortions? Um, Yeah, that was neat. That was a good time. Uh, I really, really fucking hated the Iraq War. Uh, Like, I hated it so goddamn bad um, that I still don't 
I guess I, I don't have a period of time that I want to go back to because I pretty much hated all of them. Uh, but that was a that was a bad one. And that shit pisses me off, man. Yeah. <laughs> that shit really pisses me off. I sure hate that Dick Cheney. Sure hate him. You know, again, like we talk about a film that wins an Academy Award because of its subject matters and importance. Mm-hmm. This is a film that lost its an Academy Award because of or didn't even get really nominated because of its Subject, or it got nominated, didn't it? Yeah, it got nominated. It didn't win because its subject matter's importance. It was, I you you don't want to actually look at what really happened. No, yeah, this is important. It's an important film. It is. It is. Yeah, uh, Spotlight just, was important too. Didn't make my didn't make my list. It's true. That's true. No, Spotlight definitely does not make the best ten. Uh, it was a very good movie. Okay. Uh, next up is me. I just said it. I don't want to go back to that point in time, but this movie totally handles it in a totally not the same way. Um, this is not a historically accurate movie, but it's Jojo Rabbit. Uh, everybody knew that it was going to be on my list. Three may seem a little low. Um, this is a special film. Uh, it's incredibly brave and World War. Like, are we over World War II? I don't think we are. are nope. We? I don't think I we are. I believe there's a guy running Russia that's saying that he needs yeah. to activate his nukes to defeat the Nazis. Yeah. And I just started watching The Man in the High Castle. Have you ever seen that, Sam? No, but I read it. Yeah. I mean, it's just a couple years old. I don't think we're over World War II. Like, I don't know if we're ever going to get over it. But here it is. This is a movie, this cute little movie about a precocious little scamp that worships Hitler until he meets a Jewish girl in his attic. And she's he's like, you're pretty, and but you're also not a beast monster. How? I, I, mean, I was told you were a beast monster. Yeah. And she's like, no, just a girl. Go ahead. I haven't seen it still. <laughs> it was so what a locked loser. down. Because of when it happened and all of that, and it wasn't part of any other, it wasn't one of the streaming package movies uh-huh. that they made offerings that got right. in. Yeah. I'd have to buy it digitally to see it for sixteen ninety nine. I think I can finally get it for like $7 to rent. At uh, which point now I think I'm just going to buy a Blu-ray of it for $7 because I know I'm going to like it. You are going to like it. Absolutely. Um, it's on FX. I don't know if you have access to that, but it might be edited. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, no, no, you don't want to do that. Um, actually it can't be, you either can't, you have to show this movie. Like, what would it be like? It would be like two minutes if you edit it, like the Hitler stuff. You can't have the Hitler stuff in this. Like it's funny Hitler. You can't have funny Hitler on, on, without editing that out on national television. Are you kidding me? So the whole movie is just the one scene from Moonrise Kingdom where they're like, (laughs) I really like you. Okay. (laughs) Except for going back to Moonrise Kingdom and these coming of age and a boy and a girl thing. Why I had a hard time putting it in was because in that scene, they're in their wet underwear and they did a really Mm -hmm. good job finding super thick wet underwear to make it not sexual. But it was like, Mm -hmm. you were dancing on a line here, sir, and you've danced on the right side of it. But come on, man. Uh, yeah, Jojo is going to go down in history as one of my favorite movies of all time. It's incredibly bold and incredibly risky and was very funny, but also very like, yes, you said it all, man. Like Taika Waititi is such a goddamn good writer. Um, 
and a, a great director because he did knocked it out of the part on this and like i it sucks that you haven't seen this because i wanted to talk about the scarjo scene um where scarjo is jojo's mother a single mother because the dad is off fighting the resistance and who knows if he's ever going to show up again um and she has to play both roles to make jojo happy because jojo's like nine right mm-hmm. he's dumb he's dumb little shit and uh uh it's a it's one of her best performances um even though the voice actress of her she was that might be her best but jojo was arguably her best acting perform no i mean god that same year with um the 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 married people to get in the fight god what's that movie called with uh, Adam Driver. I can't remember. That's definitely her best acting performance, but this is like her most enduring. She's really good in Match Point, too. Yeah, she's really good in Match Point. Uh, Sam Rockwell is fantastic in it. Uh, I usually hate him and love him here. I um, love Rob- Sam Rockwell all the time. Ex- yeah. Well, no. Choke wasn't... Choke did not float my boat. And uh, Thomas and McKenzie, uh, she's uh, the she's the Anne Frank of the movie. Um, she was fantastic as well. Like, it's just, it's just an amazing just one of the best of all time period hands down it's probably like jojo might be in my top three favorite movies of all time but in a top 10 list of this nature it's still sitting at three because there's two movies that are more important than it so okay you gotta go go get it done sam stop being a pussy and watch jojo mandy's only 99 cents tell nick cage to take a break Right. Yeah. Hey. Because <laughs> hey, I was just looking it up. I got to watch Pig. I got to watch that. There's that other mm-hmm. one where he's like the warrior of the wasteland. I'm like, oh, he's out there doing the good work still. I got to watch all this. Yep. Okay. You're number two. Manchester by the Sea. Okay. There it is. Boom, boom, boom. So we can talk about a very underrated part of this movie. Okay. Kyle Chandler is majestic as a guy who's not actually alive during the story mm, okay because most half of the movies flashbacks mm-hmm, right and which you normally don't like i don't like shitty flashbacks and like montages that are stupid <laughs> i don't have any problem with non-linear storytelling mm-hmm. as long as it's done well and paced properly which this is and the characters are so great, and we've mentioned everybody except the – there's a the younger brother, right? Uh, I thought so. And then there's the neighbors, the girlfriend. They're all good, but Kyle Chandler gets, like, put into Kyle Chandler's wheelhouse. Like, hey, dad from TV. And he's like, you want me to play dad? But I played dad for TV the whole time. And then he's like, we'll read the script. And he's like, I need this? This – is dad from TV the way that it's meant to be played? And then you get dad from TV and you're like, oh my God, dad from TV, you're amazing. Dad from TV. He is dad from TV. Yeah, he's dad from TV. (laughs) He got to be in movies because he's like the best dad from TV. Dad from TV, yeah, he is. All right, that's all we got. Well, I mean, um, we've said a lot already. Yeah, really, all movie. we have to go, go is, if you say if you haven't fucking seen it, just go watch yeah, it. Go watch it. Uh, number two for me, nineteen seventeen. Uh, it's dumb, dumb. It's dumb. It's just dumb. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense how a movie like that could exist. I don't believe it. I think it was a dream. I think it was another fever dream. I didn't. I didn't see that. That wasn't real. 
Can't tell me that was real. That didn't happen. I Impossible. Really, really liked that movie. It didn't make up my list at all. Uh, okay. Because well, I like Dunkirk better. And I, I really can't tell you why. Here is where I am going to give you something. And maybe, I don't know if it's going to be not enough, uh, but it's uh, it's not war porn, Sam. In fact, 1917 is anti-war porn. The entire movie is about not fighting in a battle. Yeah. That's crazy. Everybody loves war porn. They jerk off to war porn. Oh, see more guys getting their arms blown off. Uh, The entire movie goes out of its way to not have war porn. Yeah. And and it's amazing. Like, it's, it's, I, I don't even know how to explain 1917. It doesn't make sense. It's stupid. I think I can tell you why real. I didn't like it as much as everybody else liked it. Mm-hmm. The long takes were done to be long takes. Right. Not to accentuate the storytelling. They were a flexing of muscles in filmmaking. Oh, I disagree. It worked. It I worked. Disagree. But it wasn't done... For the same reasons that the long takes were done in Children of Men, and that's something that personally I was like, this is a really good movie, but that just checked like a red button on me. I completely disagree. I think that they enhance it greatly in the same way that the long take enhances it in Children of Men. And there's really only one long take in Children of Men. No, there's not. Uh, there's the the big one is what I'm talking about, and the it, one that's, that's before that's better with the the ping pong ball sequence. and the motorcycles. Yeah, I think that the, shit that, was amazing. Well, the one I'm talking about, bud. Oh. Um, and I don't think that that would will, that scene would work the same unless it was a long take. 1917, I think, is the same thing because what you're doing is you for the length of the movie, you've only got one or two guys on screen. And where you are is a passenger in a moving film. It's not stationary. The the movie, the location transitions the entire time. And if it was a a freaking mammoth movie or something where it's just people or fucking Birdman, uh, stationary people, oh, they're coming in and out of doors. And now they're over there. Oh, hey, here comes, here he comes. It's all still one. Oh, he's back in the scene. Whoa. Um, you are traveling with this guy carrying a note across uh, Germany to prevent the murder of, well, the, I guess all war is murder, but the deaths of many of his compatriots. And so you're essentially attached to his shoulder and traveling with him. Well, takes wouldn't work as well for me in that sure. because you would get not the same sense of movement and where he's at and how far he's gone and one thing that I noticed in that movie is, is like when you play a lot of video games, you have to deal with scale, right? Uh, especially games that RPGs are exploring games. You're dealing with scale is how big is this map? How big is that map? And a lot of the times they cheat that by scaling things down. And the, in in video games, that kind of works. But in movies, it usually doesn't. You have a reverse shot. And 
an object that was next to the character three seconds ago is now very far away from that character. They didn't do that in 1917. Um, the timing of it matches the period of travel uh, because he doesn't have to go far, but what he has to go through is hell. And I, I, I so I, I disagree completely. I think the long take is the only way to do that movie. Yeah, I think it is too. And this is not what I was arguing. Okay. Because I've seen the making of both. And mm-hmm. they wanted to create that feeling and they wanted to make a long take movie and they wrote perfectly around it. Uh-huh. Whereas in Children of Men, he had to bust his ass to sell the idea of these long takes around this thing that was already written that he was trying to do. Yeah. And that that movie cost too much and didn't make any money because it was so fucking uncompromising and it pushes all my ideological can't make any money if you do it the right way buttons. Okay. Um, and I don't have any problem with I thought it was I thought it was great, but the writing was around the filmmaking instead of vice versa, and that's why it didn't make my list. Agreed. The filmmaking is the centerpiece, not the writing. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And I think it's one of the best filmmaking experiences I've ever seen. And boy, uh, did they write around that filmmaking. Yeah, they Great. sure did. Yep. Uh, but yeah, God, I sure hate that war porn. And there's lots of people that don't like 1917 because it's not war porn. And I just look at them knowingly like, I'm glad that you hate that movie. Yeah. I'm so glad you hate that movie, you fucking douchebag. You want to really <laughs> hate a movie? Watch Thin Red Line. Yeah. Go, go watch a Mel Gibson movie and check off, buddy. Do um, you remember when Vince Vaughn was on the murder sled from the <laughs> the murder sled that the guy that didn't kill anybody was like, I'm the murder sled driver. I was in one battle. Like, no, that guy did that like 60 times. We're doing Hacksaw Ridge as an episode. I'm uh, ready now. I, hate I that fucking movie hate so that bad. movie. And it deserves to be an episode because it blows. Oh, I know what the end is, though. Don't. Don't watch it. It sucks. Um, okay, you're number one. This will be a very... You might be surprised. You might not because of how many times I've like, you need to watch this. You need to watch this. And I tell everybody I need to watch it. Nobody mm-hmm. fucking watches it. And the guy that made this li- made us do this may have seen it and may have some opinions on it if he has or just the subject matter because it's about the conflict in Northern Ireland. Shadow mm-hmm. Dancer is my number one movie and it's Shadow 2012. Dancer. How about that? Okay. This movie had more impact on me. I read about... IRA, the conflict, everything mm-hmm. for months. I told everybody to watch it. Nobody would watch it because I would like try to sell it truthfully. I was like, this is a really slow paced film. It's not very exciting. It's about the it's about this. It mm-hmm. has Andrea Risenborough and Clive Owen in it, and they're like, You've already gone to hard pass with Clive Owen and Andrea Risenborough. I'm like, but she's amazing, and so is he. And it it's really about there's, it's about so much. It's about these two characters, but it's about the conflict itself. It's about everything that was happening then, and it's such an impactful movie that it is my number one movie of the last uh, 10 years because when I first thought about this, I was like, well, is it Children of Men or is it Shadow Dancer? And then I found out how old Children of Men was, and I was like, Jesus Christ. And that was like... The two movies that I think are the best movies in the last 10 years, regardless of whether one's almost 20 years old, both have Clive Owen in them? Clive Owen. That guy could be really good. 
<laughs> he can also blow ass. Yeah, he can also blow ass. Uh, did you see Belfast? I'm assuming that yeah, I haven't. Yet. Yeah, yeah, I really want to see Belfast. Uh, I, I, I would say revisit both Sam and tell me what you think. But uh, oh, yeah, Belfast I mean, if Belfast does really good for me. I'll be like, wow, what a great double feature of depression and yeah. wow, people that wow, wow, like everything about Shadow Dancer is just like. Wow, I don't want to spoil anything because nobody's seen this. We've talked about stuff that are kind of spoilers. Not, I have not seen it. And most people have seen the movies that we were spoiling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Nobody's seen this. So all I want to say is like, it's not exciting. It's very slow play- paced. Manchester by the Sea is dreary. This is drearier. It's mm-hmm. Northern Ireland. It's, it's about the IRA and that conflict. Right. And it's about... Two people as much as it is about that. And it is everything that happens just is like, wow, wow, wow. And then I read about it for months and I tell everyone to watch it. And nobody watches it. And I'm like, gosh, you got to see this movie. Okay. Well, you are in a small minority on that one because uh, it is not a popular film. Like not popular as in nobody saw it. No, nobody likes it. it. Just kind of think it's just okay. I think they missed the point of it. Maybe. Jillian Anderson's in it. Oh, yeah. I think so. Uh, Littlefinger's in it. That's, yes. I like both of those actors. He's one of my favorites. Boy, in uh, King Arthur, Tale of the Heist, wasn't he something? (laughs) Aiden Quinn's great. Yeah. Uh, Aiden Quinn. You mean Aiden Gillian? Aiden Gillian. Gillian Anderson. Yeah. Ryan hey, Fitzpatrick Fitzryan. <laughs> Patrick Mulroney McDermott. McDermott Mulroney. <laughs> yeah. Okay, my number one. Silver Linings Playbook. Number one. Best. I have no problem with you picking that. That that I, is a magical film. I talk about it constantly. Um Silver Linings changed my life, Sam. It's uh just like Lion. Um I was not somebody who should speak before 2012 uh, should ever have given anybody advice on mental health. Never. Absolutely. I was wrong about everything. And then Silver Linings came out and changed, just planted just enough of a seed in me that started eroding what I thought mental health actually was. And eventually when I needed guidance, um, I wasn't the same person that I was in 2012 that would have just said, I can take care of this on my own. I don't need guidance. But because of that movie, I was able to seek out guidance uh, and get the health, the help I needed that all like pretty much every single one of us needs at some point in their life. Yep. And uh, that's not something a lot of movies can say that they did for you. Um, it literally changed my life. My wife struggles with, uh, anxiety and I wouldn't have been as good of a husband if it hadn't been for Silver Linings Playbook. Not a lot of movies get to say that. And I doubt that I'm the only person on the planet that feels that way. And as much as mental health has become, uh, something that like isn't a pariah to discuss anymore, 
like now it's okay to talk about mental health and like we still have a long ways to go um but you know companies are providing uh insurance that specifically helps or that has a, a clause for getting mental help um seeing a psychologist uh even even during office hours via zoom and, and what have you uh i don't know i'm not gonna say the silver lion caused all that but it certainly helped because that movie is so powerful in what it says about mental health and it's just all the things that somebody should have been saying the entire goddamn time and nobody was except for the people that were like dude I'm not fucking crazy. Don't put me in the goddamn bin. I just need to fucking talk to somebody yeah. who's there to help and doesn't have some set aside bias. We you got, know, once again, recurring theme of speaking to the human condition on a universal level. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no. And it's, it, it's, it's fun. Um, you like both of those characters, even though they're broken people, but they're not broken people. They find a way to fix themselves. Um, and, and deal with who they are and yeah, fuck man. God, that so, movie's good. I'm going to go further and like why Harry met Sally. Everybody loves it. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Other romantic comedies. Everybody loves it. They want to, mm-hmm. they fall in love with both characters. They want the characters to fall in love with each other. When you watch Silver Linings Playbook, you fall in love with both characters. Mm-hmm. You want to be both characters. And then you take it one step further. I actually want to be both of them and then go fuck myself. <laughs> because then I'll be the happiest person ever. Like, I've never fallen in love with two characters more than I fell in love with those fucking two. And family. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. De Niro. De Niro. De Niro. Yep. And then he was in on it. It was an inside job. Uh-huh. And she's like, oh, you wanted him to not get in a fight? You sent him to the fucking Giants game? <laughs> Like, are you, and you're like, oh my God, this is an inside job. And it's this, oh, this is great. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful movie. And, uh, I, again, top three, like, yeah, I, yeah. Of all time, silver linings, Jojo in the last 10 years are in my top three of all time. Nobody's ever taken away Joe versus the volcano from me, but, uh, those two movies are up there. Yeah, I mean, outside of this list, I've got a handful. Joe versus the Volcano, Blade Runner. Yeah. Uh, uh, Blade Runner 2049 almost made almost it. Almost made it. They didn't. Almost. Actually, I looked at it and was like, yeah, no, no. Man, I thought that movie was amazing. I liked the first not one. Good enough. I not thought it was good really enough. good, and it didn't piss me off, and it should have, so. Uh, you didn't put Dune in there either, I noticed. Why would I put Dune in there? I thought you really liked the Dune. I thought. They didn't fuck up Dune for the okay. first time ever. <laughs> all right. All right. That's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> um, I got some notable notable omissions. Uh, no Star Wars. What? Not a single <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> Mega Force isn't in here. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no Star Wars. They sure screwed that up. <laughs> uh, no live action Spidey. 
Uh, everybody loves the yeah. Well, the we were talking about our childhood too. Like live action Spidey, we both love Star mm-hmm. Wars. We both love. You didn't like Rogue One. I really did. Um, yeah, I'm surprised Rogue One didn't make your list because there you go. Notable, you're laughing about the Star Wars, but you loved Rogue One. I did, but I thought they didn't fuck up Star Wars once. <laughs> In six or however many fucking movies, right? Oh, the one that didn't fuck it up. Rogue One, Dune 2. Yeah. Rogue One and Dune. Passable. Uh, Yeah. uh, So here's my beef with the Spideys. Um, They're fun, but they're not good. And the reason why is Tom Holland's Peter Parker doesn't fuck up. He never fucks up. He never makes mistakes. You know, Peter Parker is the most accident-prone jackass He's on the planet. No one mistakeful. The entire character is just chock full of mistakes, and he should be because he's suffering from a severe lack of sleep. That's not part mm-hmm. of his superpower, <laughs> right? Right. And it like the good Spider-Man mm. writing reflects that. Like he's like, oh, I fucking forgot about this. Why did I forget about this? Because I had all this other shit going on that I was supposed to do, and then I fought crime all night. <laughs> uh, Spielberg or Nolan didn't make my list either. Yeah. And uh, no Pixar from me. This was the hardest one for me to leave out, even though I put it at number 12, was Toy Story 3. Oh, boy. Okay. And I the had reason Moana. was is because what a great story and what a great closeout. And also, Toy, Toy like, Story from a really good. filmmaking perspective... Pixar, like, cockhammered the rest of computer animation with how realistic and good some of that looked with how it blended with the way Toy Story was supposed to look. I was, like, mesmerized by how good that looked. Toy Story 3 is uh, 2010. You talking Toy Story 4? The newest one, 4. Yeah, yeah, 4. Toy Uh, 4. Yeah. I don't even know how many there are. Moana. Have you seen Moana? Of course you see Moana. I, my daughter loves Moana. We've watched Moana like four times, I think. Yeah. I really like it a whole lot. Yeah, I really, really, really like Moana. I, I did make my top ten. Not a single Pixar. It's too bad. Uh, Big Ford Short versus Ferrari didn't make your B- uh, either. Ford versus Ferrari was a movie for me that I thought it was the best movie made in a week year. Mm, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, let's hear gentleman man from uncle I wanted to be able to mm. put Guy Ritchie in but I'm like oh you can't be in here you, you do your thing buddy yeah. you just do your thing yeah you're over there Captain America Winter Soldier didn't make mine Um, even though it's one of my favorites Whiplash Anchorman 2 Whiplash. Wolf Wall Street Anchorman uh, 2 didn't I, I thought you'd do Anchorman 2 even though nobody else likes it Uh, I like it Got machete kills. Yeah. Uh, th- I, was brilliant. That was the only thing I touched on the shelf that I was like, okay, this, I guess, is in here, but I'm not going to put it on the list. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not there yet. But uh, I don't know if it was as good as Machete 1 was why I was like, nah, Machete 1 was really awesome. Oh, man. It's it's close. How much longer right. are we going to go? I got to piss. Uh, I'm done. So I think that's it, Sam. You got anything else to add? I do not. Go watch Manchester by the Sea. Go watch Jojo Rabbit, Sam. Uh, We'll wrap up there, and we'll catch you guys next week. In the meantime, get to the chopper.